Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales, and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. This is an encouraging sign that more and more people are waking up. And the beauty is America builds back better and stronger every time we have our back up against the wall or we scrape our knee or we get our ass kicked and we come back bigger and stronger. And so I just look at this as a really cool statistic around 14,000 people a day in 2022 decided to wake up and go, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to invest in myself whether that's an idea, a product, a service, you know, a business model, whatever it may be, um, I think now more than ever is one of the most opportunistic and amazing times to invest in yourself and to take that leap of faith and take that risk. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's episode of Money Moves. As always, your host, Matty A., my co-host, Mr. Ryan Breedwell. We cover all things stocks, real estate, investing, and personal finance to help you on your wealth building journey. We've got some traditional updates. What's yeah, going on good, with the we weekly good, market? We got a good little update, yep. And we've got some headlines that have been coming out across uh, the kind of platforms of economics, of course, real estate investment, some interesting news rolling out around big job cuts and paying attention to unemployment. That being something that we're going to get Mr. Breedwell's take on. We've got interest rates, the decision from the Fed coming out this next, next week. week. Mm. There's going to be some important news and information around that and how that will tie into really stocks and real estate. Mm-hmm. We've got, of course, what would a, another episode of Money Moves be without uh, getting your response and reaction to your favorite bear, Mr. Peter Schiff? No. I always find something good that he sends that out. You sent me last week. <laughs> I literally was like, we're going to have that pulled up on the board. And if you guys aren't watching this on YouTube, you head over to YouTube, about? Matt Aitchison, type in Millionaire Mindcast, and you guys will be able to see all of these Money Moves episodes. So that way, a lot of the stuff we're pulling up onto the screen now so you guys can take a look at that real time. Looking at graphs, tweets, videos, all kinds of fun stuff. All good stuff. Um, and of course, uh, some big stuff that is going down with chat GPT. And I think that ties into some stuff in terms of Microsoft and maybe their position and stake and how that might play into some 
potential future insights about yep. uh, the growth of Microsoft as a whole. And we've got some interesting kind of dynamics going on right now with uh, U.S. savings accounts and credit card debt. I got an interesting graph that we're going to get Ryan's take on as well and how that could be a storm brewing, or maybe it's not. Yeah, I already know what the graph is, and I'm going to point out. Don't, 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 don't spoil it yet. I'm not going to spoil it. Don't spoil it yet. spoil it later. (laughs) We've got some updates on the real estate market, inventory, housing completion, and what the interest rates are doing right now. With that being said, today is January 24th. And if you are new to the show, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. If you enjoy anything that we talk about, all we ask, take two minutes, leave a review on iTunes, share with a friend, a family member, somebody else that wants to be in these types of conversations around Mm -hmm. money, building wealth, understanding finances and this world of finance that you have to understand and master if you want to go out and build real wealth. And this is something that Ryan and I do each and well, we do it every day. I do it every day. But we do it each and every week to include you guys in that conversation. So for all of you who want to participate, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Don't forget to shoot us a text at 844-447-1555. If you're an investor and you've got an investment portfolio that you want Ryan and his team mm-hmm. to go through with a fine-tooth comb and give their feedback on, make sure you're not getting overfeed. And ultimately, based on what your investing goals are, create a plan, a free plan for you. That's something that him and his amazing team do. All you have to do is text the word X-ray to 844-447-1555. If you're an accredited investor, you want to get on my deals list, we've had many people get involved, at least in this last year, on the Green Coffee Company, on the Houston Apartments, on Hotel Artista, a lot of different stuff and some exciting stuff that's going to be rolling out here in 2023 as well. There's going to be some opportunities here in 2023 that I don't think you're going to come around very often. So with that being said, if you're an accredited investor, text the word deals to 844-447-1555. We also got some exciting new products up in the millionairemindcast.com forward slash store for you guys to check out. So be sure to head over to the website and check those out as well. Buy them and try them. Don't try them, then buy them. Buy them and try them. So this week... Yep. And really last week. Let's recap real quick on what happened last week and basically your thoughts and predictions and how kind of the week played mm-hmm. out. So I was thankful that I am a uh, a long-term investor because I was joking with Macaroni Tony over here that I thought that the market was going to pop on Tuesday to Wednesday, so Wednesday morning, and it did, but then it immediately pulled back. Um, one of the reasons that it was starting to pull back was some negative news on uh, Jerome Powell. There was some Fed news that came out, but it didn't do what I thought it was going to do until essentially Thursday and Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a day early um, and it didn't start doing what I wanted it to do till the end of the day, uh, Thursday. We did end up having a, a rally fully recovered through the dip um, that happened earlier in the week and the, and the week prior. And what's really kind of sitting around right now as people are wondering, is this going to stick around or is this kind of like what's called a, a bull trap? Um, is it something that looks like a rally and then we kind of pull back down to lower lows? Um, I'm looking to break above around the 4,100 zone on the S&P 500 and hopefully we can hold there. We're above the four averages that people, most people track to give us a technical indication that we are in, in bullish sentiment. But that doesn't necessarily indicate that the rally is going to be long standing and stick around. So I'm still hopeful. I'm still leaning towards that way. Um, 
I think what needs to happen is earnings need to continue to come out and be positive like they have started to this week and today. And we need to get a, a pause um, indicated by the Fed. Hopefully after next week, they're going to raise by a quarter of a percent, which I'm still sticking with, and then indicate that they're, they might pause at the next meeting, maybe a worst case scenario raised by another quarter of a percent and then pause. So let's w- pause there real quick because I think that's something important to kind of spotlight, right? A lot of people have been thinking the Fed's going to do the 25 or the 50, 25, it's not 25. 50, the 50 is, is pretty much off the table now. It's, statistic, I mean, it's statistically not quantifiable anymore. Um, the, the 25 is widely accepted as the, that is what it should be. It, we could totally be wrong. Um, but the 25 basis point hike is what it should be. And then where the Fed has indicated is that they may do another 25 basis point hike and then pause. But prior to them saying that, they were saying 50 to 25. So it's telling us that the inflation data is really starting to catch up on itself. And I think it's kind of it's starting to roll downhill pretty quick. And that's where I was saying the last week that the 10-year and the Fed were coming to a kind of a head and that the 10-year was going to beat out the Fed, the, not the other way around. And I'm still... Um, I'm still leaning in that camp. I am hopeful we get a 25, like I said. And then after the 25 basis point hike, they say, hey, we can go ahead and pause. As long as we continue to have good earnings, as long as the inflation data continues to come as it's supposed to, that should be um, where we're at. And if if that happens, it's going to cause a really, really, really long, good run this year in stocks, probably through the summertime into the early fall. So this is, I think, a good time to pull up Mr. Peter Schiff's uh, tweet that I sent you earlier this week. Um, not that one tone. There's another one that is the Dow Jones is the first U.S. stock market index to turn negative in 2023. There's eight more trading days left in the month uh, for the other major averages to follow suit. If the early rally was a head fake and January ends as a down month, it bodes ill for the rest of the year. So the weird part about that tweet is like when that tweet was sent, the Dow was up 76 basis points year to date. So I have no idea where he's getting his data from because it's very simple to go look at the Dow Jones price on January 1st and then where it was on uh, January 19th and it was up three quarters of 1% approximately. It's now up over 1% a year to date. And almost like... um, what I was saying a couple of weeks ago, the same head fakes have been happening for people in the crypto market, right? But I indicated that the crypto market, and for the first time ever, as you can probably see by some people on Twitter, is starting to follow the stock market. Yep. So since the stock market is continuing to go up, that is considered an area to speculate. Speculative assets will continue to start rising as well. Um, doesn't mean there's a bull run there. Does mean there's potentially a bull run in, stock, in stocks. I, Peter Schiff is uh, is wrong, like just based on the data. And then um, I just don't agree. He has really terrible funds. I would encourage anybody who follows Peter Schiff, go look up any of his mutual funds or ETFs. They are garbage. I mean, they're like lagging their peers and their index, which is their benchmarks that they state by like some by double digit percentages. His average fund return, which is his like Euro Pacific growth value fund is like 3% lifetime. Crazy. That's garbage. I'd be pissed. So you have to be careful with people like this because he's so ingrained in what he wants to do. 
Yeah, he's selling his bag. He's selling. It's called selling I, your book. I, I love. I love what one of the people up there. Uh, well, if you go through a lot of his comments, you know, more doom and gloom from Peter. Maybe he'll be one, uh, right one of these years, right? And you just see more and more people that ultimately kind of see through. There's this one guy that always posts the same uh, meme, and it's from The Symptoms, and it's Peter Schiff. It looks like Peter Schiff, and it's a newspaper clipping, and it says, "Old man yells at bit about Bitcoin." And it's it looks exactly like Peter Schiff. So the symptoms coming through again with just another that's great future telling. But yeah, I I just disagree. He's just too much of a perma bear. I'm a perma bull, you know. But it's easier and and uh, better to be a bull than it is to be a bear because a people like to make more money more often than they don't. Mm-hmm. Bears ne- are generally have a negative view because they want things to go down, and bears are are needed to a degree, but. There's always a bull market somewhere. There's not necessarily always a bear market somewhere. Money does not disappear. It just goes to different areas. So that's where I like to be a bull. It's like trying to find that bull market because it's more fun to allocate capital, be fully invested, learn and grow that way versus, hey, I'm going to bet against the house and I'm going to continually bet against the house. Statistically, 76% of the time, the S&P 500 goes up and 24% of the time it goes down. So you would be right 24% of the time as a bear and right 76% of the time as a bull. It's just easier to be a bull. Well, I think too, you know, being in a in a headspace, right, where you're constantly looking at opportunity and through optimistic lenses, I think it's important to protect your downside, build moats around the areas you Agreed. might have exposure, right, and kind of shore off your investment portfolio. But people who are always on their heels playing defense are ultimately the ones who get pushed back. And it's the ones who are constantly on the offense, looking for opportunities, looking for ways to connect dots, whether that's in the stock market, that's in real estate, that's in your business. When you're of an optimistic and positive and innovative and a creative and a, you know, where is the opportunity at mindset, you're gonna, like what you focus on expands. Agreed. And so it's very interesting. I I wish we, and I didn't send it to tone, but you sent me that statistic of all of Peter Schiff's funds. And looking at his narrative and then looking at his fund performance is a perfect example of audio and video, what he's talking and what is actually playing out as real and actual tangible results totally being incongruent. And so if all you did was, and he's a he's a clickbaiter, he's a, an eyeball catcher, he's one of those people that says stuff that's against the grain, that gets people, you know, talking about him, engaging in some type of debate, which again, I don't have any problem with those kind of people. But if you're taking financial advice from those individuals, 2.08%. 2.08%. That's, I mean, I would be pissed if Ticker I- is EPDPX. That is- that is the large value foreign fund that he runs. Its five-year average is 4.03% and its since inception is 2.08. So if, if I invested in something or someone who had a 2% um, ROI on my time and money and energy, you know, invested in them. at balloons and do better than that. I'd be pissed. So just, again, a reminder of no matter where you're at in your financial journey or even if you like how he delivers his messages and what he says, and you might agree with some of that. Just make sure you're peeling back the layers of the onion and looking at performance and track record. So that way, before you go and give, one, somebody your money, or two, you make decisions about your money based on what somebody else is saying that 
all of those dots connect and ultimately align with the goals that you're trying to achieve. So he's just one of those people in the, in the space that I, I personally like him, like in the sense of, I love that he always creates dialogue and conversation around areas that I think are actually really important. But, you know, with people like you and I, we don't just take it at face value. We start digging and poking holes in it and pulling back things. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, it's kind of like Michael Burry. Yep. He was right on one really big short and he continuously shorts the market and is wrong. But nobody really thinks about that because they remember when he was right in 2008. Yeah. Um, And so like, it's it's one thing like if you know you hit your home run one time, but when you hit home runs as a professional athlete or a baseball player, right? For using that analogy, you look better if you act like you do it all the time and then you continuously do it versus if you just do it one time and then talk about the one home run you hit. Yep. So agreed. So one of the things that we're paying attention to, Antonio, you can kind of pull up um, on the job cuts that we've seen more than 55,000 employees lost their jobs in January alone as big tech companies make deep cuts. We had Spotify, 6% of their workforce, Google, 11,000, Microsoft, 11 plus Mm -hmm. thousand, Facebook slash 11,000. We heard Amazon doing it, I think in December, Twilio. And so a big chunk of this narrative is really siloed into tech And a lot of people are using and running with this narrative in, of course, mainstream media as potentially being a big and looming issue that's coming down the pipeline that could lead to bigger challenges, more recession talk. So talk some sense into this headline. And is this something that we should really be worrying about when it ties into unemployment on the scale of what could tip the pendulum back in a direction that could be very problematic for the economy. I do not think that 55,000 people being laid off from the companies mentioned above or any other company like them who overhired during the pandemic because they could not run their business in the ways that they needed to. So they had to overstaff themselves, kind of over under promise, over deliver type deal. And they can't afford to staff those many that many people anymore. So it's just simply companies that are important overall, but will indefinitely and always go through major swings in their employment like this, depending on what's going on systemically in the in the market that they are involved in. Um, it's not a big deal. It's really not a big deal. They could lay off another 50,000 people. It would not matter. It just... Um, I'll give you a very easy to understand example if this is kind of going like, why? what are you talking about? 55,000 people lost jobs. There was a, when Elon Musk bought Twitter there, I think there were 7,500 engineers. There is now less than 1,500 and the company still is running. So you, there's just fat trimmed where it's not needed. The companies can run without doing that. And the last I looked, Google, for example, laying off the amount of employees that they laid off, saved them around $2.6 billion in uh, payroll costs. So it's business decisions. They're making business decisions so that they can continue to be profitable to the people that they ultimately have a fiduciary obligation to, which is their shareholders. They do not have a fiduciary obligation to their employees. They just don't. Yep. So they're going to make any move that they can to um, increase their revenues and cut costs. And a lot of people like to point out that the numbers look big when overall they're they're not going to matter. And we can look to places like Twitter that cut more than 80% or about 70% of their staff 
and the company still is running. humming right now. Exactly. And that same thing can happen at these other companies because I don't know if you all have social media. Half the fucking people that work at these places look like they just go and eat free food and then get massages and stuff. And they're not actually working. They're just a body um, to put in a chair to meet a payroll number. A lot of times to meet their... I know it sounds weird, but they have to hire people of certain ethnic backgrounds and, and races to meet like quotas. Sometimes they're just filling a seat so they can meet a quota. Um, so I'm, I'm not impressed or worried by the layoff numbers. I don't think they're going to matter whatsoever. And that's evident today by Microsoft. Um, they had a, a beat on their EPS. They had a beat on their Azure, which is their cloud uh, services growth, which is slowing, but it still, has, it still grew 31% year over year. And they only missed their revenue by less than half of a percent. I believe, I believe it was $59.7 billion in revenue expected, or excuse me, uh, taken in with $59.93 billion of expected revenue. Mm. But they beat on their EPS to earnings per share by $0.03 cents per share. So that is indicative when that a company is that big and such a bellwether of our economy. Mm-hmm. That should be indicative that we have a very good earnings growth ahead of us. Tomorrow, we have Tesla, which is going to be monstrous. Um, If Tesla has positive numbers and data that comes out, which I haven't been tracking, and so I don't really have an opinion. Elon might get some of his $200 net worth loss coming back Uh, with shares increasing. Well, that'll, that'll, that'll encourage people to go back into names that are more speculative, that have higher growth, higher beta names like Tesla, like Snowflake, like Twilio, mm-hmm. uh, like Palo Alto Networks. So um, we have a big, big, big day tomorrow. Boeing, I believe, reports tomorrow. IBM reports tomorrow. Um, lots of stuff. Texas Instruments reported after hours today. There was there was kind of choppy, so I believe their stock is down uh, currently after hours. But it's looking like a good start. And really for this week and next week, the catalyst that is going to be carrying us forward is earnings. It is all about earnings, and next week it's going to be earnings plus is the rate decision coming in as expected at a quarter of a percent, which I believe it will be. So as we wrap up just kind of on the unemployment thing, right, as we're hearing more and more chatter about it because of really tech. It's just something to talk about. Leading it, but ultimately, like you said, right, 2020, they overhired a crazy amount of people. We knew there was going to be some trimming of the fat at some point as we saw the dust settle from yeah. the pandemic. And that's really kind of what it feels like we're seeing right now outside of tech. There's tons of pork in a lot of those companies, right? And then you're seeing really in some of the, you know, more hands-on blue-collar service sector-based jobs, mm-hmm. can't get enough people into those areas, right? Well, also, it's not, it's not fair to put such a big, you know, wave such a red or white flag, whatever you want to call it, with this tech layoff when for the past seven, eight months, uh, realtors have been falling off the face of the earth and nobody cares, so how are you going to say that one is going to affect it when mortgage-backed securities are much more important than a search engine? I'm just... True. Bottom line. Well, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics, they reported yesterday unemployment rates were higher. So this is yesterday. This is factoring in a lot of mm-hmm. these big headline numbers that are spooking people right now. Unemployment rates were higher in December in seven states, lower in five states, and neutral or stable in 38 states. So 
this the this, labor this, market is very strong. <laughs> this this big concerning you know uh, narrative and headline around these big layoffs. Sure, I mean it's it's a number that will catch your attention, but is it a There's, number that really moves the needle in terms of distress and pain in the economy, the underbelly of the you know American economy? The answer yet. is no, yeah, not yeah. yet. Yeah, and there's other there's other places that are hiring, like hospitality, which is opening back up and had to cut a lot of their staff. Mm-hmm. Now is understaffed, and I think I'm 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 not out of bounds there, am I? We're right? seeing more and more people come into the space, but it is, I mean, drastically still. Oh, major, we're still at about 67% uh, air airline traffic uh, pre-pandemic. So until that gets caught up, that's obviously going to affect travel. But on the top end for nicer places like your hotels and areas that are like Tahoe or uh, Aspen, Colorado or Miami Beach. A lot of leisure markets. They're, you're they're I feel like... They're popping. Re- yeah. And they're, they're popping. The top end of the market is still spending. 100%. Spending very strong, which is... One thing that I think is, you know, I won't steal any thunder, but we'll go into that chart later. That's I think it's a perfect, perfect way to, to segue into that. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. U.S. savings are at decades lows. Simultaneously, U.S. credit card debt is at decade highs. So you can see here, basically, the green line is the U.S. savings rate of the average American. And obviously, that has after you can see that big spike there in 2020, right? Everybody was tightening up the belt thinking doomsday was around the corner and or who knows what was going to happen next. So we continued to, you know, kind of batten down the hatches. Now, as you know, helicopter money got deployed out into the economy and and people, you know, really a ton of people benefited out of the, the pandemic. Um, you know, spending started to continue to increase, which was a great thing, I think, for the economy as a whole. But now we're starting to see these, you know, rainy day accounts, for people, the average person who maybe isn't as financially savvy is starting to dwindle a little bit. In red, we're seeing credit card debt. 
And look at that, dude. That I mean, that <laughs> from the pandemic, credit card debt, right, just plummeted. People are like, I'm not spending money on shit. And then all of a sudden, now as the savings has, you know, dwindled and gone down, we're seeing the complete inverse of that with the hockey stick up on credit card debt at an all-time high. Is this one of those perfect storms for if any type of, you know, I'm not saying another pandemic is coming or, you know, if you're watching what's going down at the, you know, Davos World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab up there talking about, you know, the world preparing for, Mm -hmm. you know, a cyber attack after, you know, a few years prior, he talked about a pandemic and all of a sudden that happened magically, you know, 12 months after he talked about that. If there were another big event um, or, or, you know, economic challenge and hardship in the near future, what does that mean for the U.S. economy with this graph right in front of us? Well, first of all, I think people read the graph wrong. Educate us, Obi-Wan. Well, nobody gave a damn. I don't, at least I don't remember people caring from 2016 to 2019 that there was a massive spread comparatively between credit card debt and savings. I don't hear that being talked about at all. And I don't know if you noticed, but the savings rate tends to correlate with bear markets because people take their money out of the stock market and put it into cash. Mm. So actually, let me give you some higher end data, not what you'll read here on CNN or MSNBC. Savings rates, uh, as long as they're correlated with people putting inflows into equities, uh, generally is a bullish indicator uh, to us, to me specifically as well. So I don't see that because people stopped. When did the credit card spending go down? During the pandemic mm-hmm. when people couldn't spend. Yep. And we had a pent up demand for that about two year period. That's now just expressing itself and looks a lot worse than it actually is. People are just deploying the money mm-hmm. and they're investing the money and they're spending the money. In order for the economy to go up, people have to spend their money. Yep. If they put it in the bank, that's not good for anybody but the bank. And it's actually not good for really anybody because the banks then have to lend that money to make money off of it. Right. So to me, that that is not that graph really actually doesn't mean anything. It's just two lines that look like they're bad, but they're really what would be interesting. I don't I don't think they're that bad. A lot of that credit card spending is done for people like you and me and businesses. Uh, small businesses, which are on personal credit. Yeah. So um, it'd be interesting if if this this snapshot of this graph timeline got pulled out, you know, a little zoomed out a little bit more to see the the you know if previous. You really look at the spread historically. Take out uh, where the where it spikes up and where it goes back down. We're not the that far. Not, yeah. yeah, the delta is not that far off, and the trend is actually starting in the past three months to go back up. So. It'll be interesting to see maybe what this graph will look like in really bother me. 12, 24 months and see how it, it really averages back out or the you know ratio or equivalent of these two lines is probably, like you said, relatively similar to outside of this one black swan event, probably going to be relatively similar and on trend for it's not the that far economic off. growth yeah. of how we operate, right? It would almost be like comparing the housing market only back to 2020. Mm. Yeah, it just wouldn't make sense to do that because you'd be missing data. So what do you say to the person right now, you know, or or to the savvy 
maybe what do you say or what are you seeing with the savvy investor? Are they sitting on too much cash? Are they sitting on too little cash? You know, how are they managing their money right now, at least in some of the, you know, the clients that have funds allocated with you? You know, what's smart money doing right now? Uh, smart money stays fully invested. They don't sell. You day trade, you sell, you get in and out of stuff. But if you're long, you just never sell. That's yep. why you don't. You reallocate and you like trim names and you and you add into other names, but you just never sell. Um, so savvy investors, I'll put I'll, my portfolio, I'll, you know, blended between all the accounts that I have. I'm at a minimum of about eighty percent equities, and at a maximum of about ninety. You know, I have ninety nine percent equities in one of my accounts. So I I tend to stay fully invested towards equities, alternatives, and real estate funds. Um, there's no reason not to because all I'm doing is averaging my account balance down, which over time will allow me to make more money. I'm getting paid dividends from these funds and the in stocks that I hold. Um, you just that smart people are buying because the stock market's down, and people who were buying 30 days ago are a lot happier than people that are buying right now because they have you know in some cases 12, 13, 14 percent more on a rate of return than the people that waited. Mm-hmm. And what I was I've said in the past to people. You cannot miss movements in the market like that if they are indicative of a bull run because you're missing some of the biggest market days and you there's only a few of them every decade. And that's why staying fully invested and making sure that you have a plan and you stay put to your plan is super, super, super important. So I do not go to cash. I don't put money into cash for my clients. I do not invest in cash. I stay fully invested. I keep a small cash position so we can pay fees and maybe take advantage of market dips. But most of my clients give me money. They're contributing to their accounts or their balances are so large that the dividend rate is like them contributing to their accounts. Mm -hmm. So um, stay fully invested. That's really what the smart people are doing. I've been... Fully invested all year. I have still negatives from last year, but I'm only down 10% from my like 70. So can you imagine if I would have got out and been 60% more down? Mm -hmm. And I've accumulated more quantity of stock over that period of time and ETFs and some mutual funds that are in my account. And, And I'm going to have more money when the market gets back to where it is than when I started through this. And why do I have that? Because people sold, because I did not, and because I stayed fully invested and did a dividend reinvestment program. That's why being invested long is great. Yep. So we've got another interesting trend right now of investing, and that is entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs. So according to the U.S. Census Bureau, 5 million new business applications were filed in 2022. That's over 14,000 applications a day, which shows that people are really starting to bet on themselves. And I found that to be a really kind of encouraging statistic, to be honest. I mean, as we know, America was built off the backbone Mm -hmm. of hardworking, small business, entrepreneurs, Another fun statistic, 88% of millionaires in the U.S. are self-made entrepreneurs and small business owners. And so when you think about the people that really decided to bet on themselves and take that leap of faith and do what was necessary to learn business skills, learn leadership skills, learn financial skills, right, and, and, and make certain sacrifices that 
most people that are kind of tapped in and plugged into the matrix and brainwashed by the matrix of what I think more and more people now know is a societal structure that has been set up for, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, the machine and and the results of the machine have produced what it is that many of us get to enjoy today. But if you're listening to this show, if you're, you know, looking outside of the matrix because you're unhappy, you're unfulfilled, you're not making enough money, you don't have the freedom that you want, whatever it may be, you know, this is an encouraging sign that more and more people are waking up. And the beauty is America builds back better and stronger every time we have our back up against the wall or we scrape our knee or we get our ass kicked and we come back bigger and stronger. And so I just look at this as a really cool statistic around 14,000 people a day in 2022 decided to wake up and go, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to invest in myself whether that's an idea, a product, a service, you know, a business model, whatever it may be, um, I think now more than ever is one of the most opportunistic and amazing times to invest in yourself and to take that leap of faith and take that risk. Calculated, right? Don't be yeah. stupid. Don't go into this of just going, I made the decision to invest in myself and I'm going to win no matter what. Go into it with some real thought, with a real plan, get clarity around what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, who you're going to do it with, who's missing in that picture, right? But that's really exciting. I was, I was like pretty stoked to see that because I think, you know, you give people a shovel uh, metaphorically that is, you know, entrepreneurship and they're going to go and dig themselves into something really cool. They're going to learn about themselves. They're going to grow. You're definitely going to be challenged, but it's going to be on your own, you know, you're going to die, live and die and succeed and fail on your own sword instead of somebody else's. Amen. And I think if anything 2020 taught us was ain't nobody coming to save you. And, you know, something like that happens and, you know, the next day you're fired. Um, and, you know, with no safety net, you might as well go out and, you know, build, innovate and create and sustain something amazing for yourself. Couldn't agree more. The, the, um, Fortune favors the bold thing, I love to say, but it just does. It's capitalism rewards people for taking risk as long as the risk is calculated and it comes out. Yeah. Um, obviously favorable for that person. Agreed. So, just some quick updates for you guys on real estate. You know, not a lot has changed. We saw rates drop a tiny bit over the course of the last week. We saw some refinances kick back up again. I think rates are up a little bit, actually. They went uh, down, then came slightly back up. To yeah. Today, I think they were at six and a quarter. Now they're at six three, something along those lines. Yep. Um, and in forbearance, we're not seeing a lot of distress, you know, trickling to the marketplace yet. You know, I said out. 60 FICO score and more is the only one that has it. And it was like a 1%. Share of mortgage loans and forbearance remained flat at 0.7% in December. The Mortgage Bankers Association monthly loan monitoring survey revealed that the total number of loans now in forbearance remained flat relative to prior months at 0.7. According to the MBA estimate, 350,000 homeowners are in forbearance plans right now. When you think about how many millions of homeowners there are out there. There's over... There's so many. There's mil. Is it hundreds of millions? Yeah. There's. We got. I don't even know. It's a lot. It. We have a very small fraction of people in distress right now. We'll right. just put it that way. In Less markets that are not important. 
It, correct. Yes. That's that's also a big kind of point to highlight there. Inventory um, was down this last week as well, 0.1% week over week. Mm. So again, we're not seeing inventory jump. Um, it is up 70.5% compared to the same week in 2022. So it is up. But again, it's not anything that is drastic in uh, capacity that, you know, really is going to create or, you know, call for concern. Um Great. 42.8% down compared to the same week in 2019. So that'll give you a little bit of perspective. We are going to see some more inventory, though, probably start to get you know flushed in into the spring months. It usually bottoms out in February and starts trickling up into the summertime. And with 1.51 million total housing completions in 2022, uh, that was also including manufactured homes. That's the most since 2007. So we're probably going to see some of that if it already hasn't been, you know, put into the market supply and absorbed into the marketplace, going to continue as it heads into more of the summer months as they stagger out kind of, you know, putting inventory out to make sure that they're maximizing their values as well, whether those are home builders um, or, you know, manufacturers. So I think it'll be something that we're probably going to see it. We even talked about, you know, a, a decline. I think in certain markets, we're going to see either stability or even some increase um, if inventory does not jump at a higher rate. That's kind of my aggressive outlook. Of course, I do think overall in terms of the, the you general know, turn down, yeah. The general turn down, I think we would be below um, you know, that 10% mark, 13. but you're going with your 13. I think we're gonna see if we don't see anything too crazy happen with if rates do what we think they're going to do, mm-hmm. if we see inventory, you know, stay relatively stable and not spike, um, we know it's going to increase, but not spike into too drastic numbers. Demand remains strong, absorption remains strong, and unemployment stays relatively stable without it spiking too heavily. I think we might see an increase in home values in certain markets higher than people were expecting. Hopefully nine five six seven seven. Yeah, hopefully nine five six seven seven. I'm curious on what your guys' take is though. Let us know what your thoughts are. Is the housing market going to increase this year or are you still on the it's gonna decrease? I say ten, you say thirteen. Mm-hmm. Let us know your thoughts, eight four four, four four seven, fifteen fifty five. With that being said, guys, don't forget to check out millionermindcast.com forward slash store. We got some exciting products, some exciting stuff available for you guys. Lots of freebies on there as well. Um, And if you guys enjoyed the show, all we ask, take two minutes, leave us a review, hit that subscribe button, subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can check out all the graphs and all the things that we're referencing. And um, as we wrap up today's show, you know, chat GPT, maybe you can pull this little video up real fast tone. The amount of growth and now the value of it, um, it's the PBD, I think, if you keep going up one more. Uh, maybe I didn't send it to you. All I know is it it's it's uh, it's passed the it didn't it pass the MBA it passed the MBA exam. There you go, right there. It's that one tone. There we go. PDD. So kind of crazy just to see how. I don't know how much you're following ChatGPT or not. No, it took Facebook two years to get to a million users. It took Pinterest five months to get to a million users. It took Angry Birds 34 days to get to a million users. It took ChatGBT five days to get to a million users. Every other hour when you're on ChatGBT, the website shut down. 
because of the amount of activity in six weeks, these guys have gone from zero in valuation to now being a $29 billion company. So yeah, Microsoft's putting around 11 billion in them. Yeah. Open AI is a conversation. I don't know how much you're following. My, my question to you as we kind of wrap up, I mean, if you're not paying attention to AI, you know, chat GPT, there's a lot of other, you know, different AI tools and platforms and companies that are popping up quick right now. They're really transforming the landscape. I think this is the first kind of maybe unicorn that we're seeing out of the space. 100%. Uh, and Microsoft was the first to get involved with it. To take I mean, down Google. right now, Google, I saw that Larry Page and the other co-founder like have been MIA for years and now they're like in board meetings. They're like, because they see a real threat there, right? To them being the largest Google, you know, searching. Well, their ad the revenue is what they make money on and it'll destroy their ad revenue. Well, and I think the Department of Justice also just filed they something for un. For Today, breaking for, up the monopoly of their... They're probably going to have to spin off their ad rev business. So so there's some major risk and threat to Google right now. But I think this is just one example of one of these types of companies coming in, totally disrupting a space in an industry that kind of is monopolized or really kind of um, dominated for quite some time. But we're seeing Microsoft get behind them and I'm curious, what does that relationship, if anything, mean? Is that a good they're thing for trying, Microsoft? Oh, hell yeah. They're going to try to make Bing the number one search engine. And then they're going to drive their ad revenue up a vertical that they just don't currently have at all. So that'll make them uh, probably the biggest. It would make them bigger than Apple for sure. Wow. Yeah, because they, I mean, look at how big Google is. And it's p- almost purely driven off of ad revenue. Mm-hmm. Probably 70 plus percent. Wow. So... It would it would make it would probably double almost the valuation of Microsoft because Microsoft's traffic will go up. People will start using Microsoft products more. They'll be able to integrate Chat GPT into their computer mm-hmm. products. That'll affect Apple's uh, computer sales. I mean, it's huge, huge, huge implications. And all this time, Microsoft's been sitting in the background, yep, waiting and working for something like this to happen. And sure enough, it's happening. So I think that. I think that uh, Google's days are going to be numbered. Um, it'll be weird because we'll talk That's about... That's weird to say, right? Yeah, we'll it's talk like about... their nut date, like Google. Right? Have you... Did you... You'll start saying... People saying, did you look it up on Bing or did you did you chat GPT it or something? I don't know. Right. That is maybe not as normal or commonplace not to us right as, now. Did you but, Google it? But we'll be like, a, hey, did you Google it type Yeah, term. 30 years ago, if you said, did you Google it? People were like, what the hell did you just say? Yeah. And maybe in five years, people will say, why the hell are you looking on Google? So I just thought that was really interesting to see, one, how quickly they've grown their kind of users and their adoption, but also how quickly they grew just by getting adoption and users on the platform, the interest of a complete juggernaut like a Microsoft Mm -hmm. and how I think this landscape is really a blue ocean for so much innovation, so much opportunity and maybe something to be paying attention to. Um, Was just curious on your thoughts, you know, on how that really helps Microsoft. And obviously you heard Ryan's thoughts in a very, very big way. So not, you know, investing advice there, but I think things to be paying attention to when you're thinking about what you're going to be using now and into the future what brands you like, what companies you believe in, what companies have good long-term track records and are investing into these things could be right good long-term um, investments to pay attention to. Agreed. So 
with that being said, guys, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. We appreciate you guys listening every week. See you on next week's episode. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is, you know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to, to help you sharpen your ax, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and you're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high net worth individuals, be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing, and to have a whole, a whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friends. 